Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. It won't be up because I've not been organised with the PowerPoint. But um, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 20, and it says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long and not doing anything? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired first, the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. When you're looking at a photograph um, with lots of people in the photo and you're in it too, do you ever find yourself zooming in on yourself? There might be 10 people in the photo, all of them people that you love dearly, but the person that you're most interested in looking at is often yourself. Does anyone relate to that? I'm so glad, because that would have been really embarrassing. You're you're kind of checking, is my hair looking okay? Do do I look like I've got four chins? Is my smile weird? Have I got bogeys coming out my nose? You check, you know, is this an okay picture of myself? Um, you know, our natural instinct as human beings... Is it full enough? Yeah. Thanks. Um, our natural instinct as f- human beings is to, is to think of ourselves first, to look at ourselves first. But this parable that we've just read is a reminder that the way God works and thinks is totally different to the way we do. Um, as, as followers of Jesus and as sons and daughters of God, we, the church, are to think about ourselves less and think about others more. The kingdom of God is not about me, my comfort and my salvation, 
But without God helping us to do that, it's totally impossible. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've been given something that you totally don't deserve? Or, or you've been invited to a party or an event that you think, how, how on earth did I get an invitation to that? Um, has anyone ever shown you incredible like generosity? Um, years and years ago, I worked for the Salvation Army, and I don't know why I did this, but for some reason I was looking for a, a place where we could hold an event. And for some bizarre reason, I got in contact with Harvey Nichols in town, which is incredibly posh. And, and whatever price they gave us would have been way out of our budget. But I got in touch with them. And, and for, for some bizarre reason, I got added to a list that they had. So, so just before Christmas one year, I got this invitation to attend this pre-Christmas like event um, and, and, and I could take a guest with me. So me and I can't remember who I went with, um, went to Harvey Nichols. We had this incredible fancy meal. We were given like a goodie bag of Harvey Nichols, like items in the goodie bag. And, um, and we were sat on a table with like Coronation Street stars and, and like other people who were rich and famous, but I didn't actually know who they were, but I'm sure they were rich and famous. And um, I really, really enjoyed myself. But they, I guess I, they must have invited me because they thought I had money and they wanted to impress me. Well, I did not have any money. I was working for the Salvation Army, um, but I still really enjoyed myself. Um, it's incredible to be on the receiving end of someone's generosity, especially when you don't deserve it. And all those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, put our trust in Jesus, have experienced God's incredible generosity. Um, we've experienced the forgiveness of God. We've been invited into a family with a father who loves us more than we could ever imagine, who is entirely wise and good and whose door is always open to us. He, you know, he's always welcomes us. Whatever state we're in, we can go to God in prayer and, and you know, and say sorry. Um, there's a chap called J.I. Packer who said this about God. God loves us with the same steadfast affection that, that he loves Jesus. And that in God's family, there is no distinction of affections. So God doesn't love anyone more than anyone else. We're all loved just as fully as Jesus is loved. Isn't that incredible? Like we often think, yeah, I know that God loves me the same as Vic's, but he loves us the same as he loves Jesus. Isn't that bonkers? It's amazing. And in Ephesians, it says, in love, he chose us for adoption in accordance with his pleasure and will. It gives God great pleasure that you are in his family. And you can hear in this parable that we've just read how much pleasure it gives God to invite people into his family. He doesn't stop all day long. That landowner invites more and more and more people into the vineyard. He wants more and more people to experience the incredible generosity of God. People who don't deserve it. People like you and me. We come with nothing and he gives us everything. 
And have, have you ever wondered why Jesus hasn't returned yet? In the Bible, it says that one day Jesus is coming back to judge the world, but he hasn't come yet. The, re, the only reason why we're still here on earth is because Jesus longs for more people to be part of his family. Isn't that incredible? Jesus has made it possible for me and you to be in God's family. And that's why we worship him. That's why we sing. That's why we get excited when, when we're together, because it, it should be a celebration. Church should feel like a party every week because, because what good news that we've, we've learned, what good news that we've understood. Um, we, no, no matter how dark this world gets, and it is dark, isn't it? Um, we get to spend eternity forever and ever and ever in heaven with Jesus. And it's got nothing to do with what we have done, but everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. You know, we live in a world that where, where um, to, what, that says kind of to be something, you have to earn it. You have to work hard or, or be in the right place at the right time. You have to um, be well connected. You have to do this or that to be something. You have even, you know, you, you have to people, people think that you have to be good enough for God to get into heaven. But it's not like that. It's not like that. That's not what we believe. The Bible says that, you know, that, that we can't be good enough to get into heaven. How on earth can we be good enough to get into heaven? We worship a holy, holy, perfect God. And, and even on our best days, we're never going to be good enough, are we? But Jesus was sent into the world and he was good enough. He, um, he did what we cannot do and he lived a perfect life and he took the punishment we deserve so that we could be in God's family. So do you feel heavy this morning? Are you struggling with anxiety? Remind yourself today and every day over and over again what Jesus has done for you. Believers in Jesus have a hope that is greater than anything, anything that we could imagine. We've been given a treasure that is worth more than the whole world. Our brother is the king of kings. Our father has shown us the greatest generosity anyone can ever be shown. But we do need constant reminding of this truth, don't we? Because just like those those workers who were given a job in the vineyard nice and early, we can forget God's incredible generosity to us. And, and so often we can easily begin to think that, it's, that we've got something to do with our salvation. When I, I became a Christian when I was a little girl, and so it would be really easy for me to forget that it was God who gave me faith to believe in him and put my trust in him. It would be easy to think, blooming heck, this following Jesus is hard work, you know, and, it, and it's easy to, to become all self-righteousness and think, oh, I read my Bible this week and I did this and I did that, you know, and, and, and it's easy to begin to think that God somehow owes us something because of, you know, us trying hard and working hard. But, but that's just not true. I, you know, I have, I've heard so many Christians over the years say this. I've been following God for so many years. I think it's about time that God did this or that for me. You know, we, we so easily forget that everything is a gift from God. And in, in this parable, the workers who have been um, in the vineyard working from er, the early hours... 
they were chosen by the landowner. You know, they, they, it's got nothing to do with their character. It's got nothing, there was nothing extra special about them. They'd forgotten this. And so when others started working later on in the day and they got given the same wage as them, um, they were angry. They, they were too busy thinking about themselves instead of being amazed at the generosity of the landowner who chose others as well. And so instead of, instead of being pleased that more people were, were, getting to, were given the same amount of money, they were jealous. They were just thinking of themselves. Their sense of justice was all wrong. And they were basing it on worldly values and not on kingdom values. And I have to admit that for years when I've read this parable, I've wrongly identified myself with those early workers. You know, those guys who've worked so hard all day long to, and then got paid the same as the others um, who, who just rock up at the end. Um, but I was so wrong. I was totally wrong. I'd forgotten the incredible generosity of God who wants as many as possible to join his family. And I'd forgotten that God has already given me everything I could ever need um, and eternity in heaven with him. This is a parable that shows how God's love for all people is boundless. It's never too late to say yes to Jesus. We, we are never too messed up for Jesus. You know, when Jesus was crucified, there were two men on the cross next to him. They were guilty. They were guilty of crimes that had sentenced them to death. One of the men, as he faced death, turned to Jesus and he recognised that Jesus was innocent and Jesus was the Son of God. And he said, remember me when you're, when, let me read it out, get, let me get it right. Remember um, me today um, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly today you will be with me in paradise. So this is a man who was we don't know what he was guilty of, but it was guilty of something that deserved death. And yet right at the last minute, he got to be in heaven with Jesus for eternity. Like, incredible. Um, in the weeks before my granddad died, he went into hospital and he, he was waiting for an operation, but they were doing some tests to see if he was actually well enough to have the operation. Um, and he knew really that he was facing death. Um, but, but actually he knew that he had a heart problem um, that was even worse than his physical health. And, and as he was facing death, he was deeply troubled by this heart problem. My mum went to see him um, in those last weeks and managed to get an opportunity on her own with him. And my granddad said, told my mum that he was feeling really troubled. And he said, the reason is years and years and years before, um, He'd been, he'd had lots, they had lots of children and he'd been coming home from work. And I think my nanny was in hospital and they were struggling a bit financially. And um, he found a wallet on the ground and it had a month's wages in this wallet. And, and he actually had a good idea whose wallet it belonged to, but he didn't tell anyone and he kept it. And he kept this secret his entire life. And, and for some reason, I think it was God, um, as he faced death, 
Um, he was convicted by what he had done. And so he'd been trying, he'd been kind of telling a few people and he'd spoke to my nanny and she said, oh, don't worry. You know, it was years ago. Don't worry about that. But that didn't help his heart. He was still deeply troubled. And then he spoke to his friend who was a, who was actually um, like a vicar or a chaplain or something, but this was a friend he'd grown up with and he told his friend. And his friend said to him, what? You didn't hand it into the police. You're joking. That's terrible. So this guy didn't help him either. And then he, and then he told my mum. And my mum said, she said to him, well, you're, you are right to feel bad. You're right to feel convicted. It was wrong to steal. And we have a holy God. Um, but she said, but let me tell you this. You know, Jesus came for sinners. Jesus died on the cross for sinners so that you could be forgiven. And mum said his eyes were like storks. You know, his, she was, he was like looking at, at her like, oh my goodness, I can be forgiven for this. And, um, and, and then kind of, at the, and mum said, you know, when you get a moment on your own, just pray and ask God for forgiveness and, he, and you'll be forgiven. And then my mum's sister and um, nanny, my nanny came back into the room and they were like, what have you two been talking about? And my, my granddad said, we have been talking about something very important and interesting. And so I know, my mum knows, is confident that we will spend eternity with my granddad, that even at that last minute, he got saved by Jesus. He understood forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. So what does this parable mean for the church then? What do you think God could be saying to us today as church? There's a a, a man called William Temple and he once said, the church exists primarily for the sake of those who are still outside it. I'll read it again. The church exists primarily for the sake of those who are still outside it. And we absolutely believe that, don't we? We don't want to be a social club that's just for Christians. We, we want it, the church to be those for those who don't know Jesus yet. We long to see people welcomed into this church and discipled and and understand all that it means to follow Jesus. We long for our neighbours and our family members, our communities to know the good news of Jesus for themselves. But if we're absolutely honest, sometimes there's a tension for us. We long for this, but we kind of hope someone else will step up and do it so we don't have to. Because without the Holy Spirit constantly transforming our hearts, when we look at the photograph of the church, there's a danger that we focus in on ourselves. And, you know, we're all tired and weary from, from our weeks. We've all, you know, we, life is hard. And, and, you know, sometimes we come to church and we're just longing that God would speak to us. And we forget we forget that actually we have everything we need in Jesus already. Doesn't want me to turn the page. In our weariness, we allow, we can be, begin to allow thoughts like these to sneak into our brains. You know, why didn't anyone speak to me today at church? 
didn't get anything out of that worship this morning. Am I really on crash glue youth again? Um, can I be bothered to go to community group tonight? Not sure it's really for me anyway. I just want to talk to my friends today. I'm so tired. They've never had me over for lunch. Maybe they don't like me. You know, these thoughts can whirl around our heads, can't they? In our weariness, we're, we're fighting these kinds of thoughts. They're real and, um, and they kind of just sneak in when we're focusing in on ourselves. At the moment, our community group that we hold on a Tuesday night has grown so big that we're struggling to fit in our lounge. And, and we've just decided that we just once a month for now, we're going to split into two groups because we know that actually community group is a real blessing uh, in, in terms of making new friendships and, and pointing people towards Jesus. But you know what? I do not want to split my group because I really like everyone in my group and I don't want them to be in another group. I want them to be in my group. And, um, you know, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge, but I know deep down that, that community group is a really good way for people to get to know people. And I, and I do want to share those friendships. God wants us to show the generosity of time, of life, for the building up of his kingdom that he has shown to us. We love because he first loved us. We're to think of others first um, because his first thought was us. Now, I think CCM is, is pretty awesome, um, but imagine what it could look like if God continued to transform our hearts so that we think even less of ourselves and even more of others. The only way we can grow in this is to remember the generosity of God towards us and, and show that same generosity of grace towards others. And we can only do this if we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Jesus, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Life is hard. We do get weary. But Jesus says, come to me. They're up there. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, for the sake of God's kingdom growing, we need to make space, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week in our own lives to allow God to pour his love into our hearts over and over again. We need, we need to make space for God to do that work in our hearts so that we are free to love others. You know, um, we need reminders every day of how loved we are because we're so quick to forget. <coughs> Have you noticed that the people who are most generous with their love and their time and their encouragement are also those who invest deeply in their friendship with Jesus? It's not that those people have got less on their plates. It's just that they've learned that it is impossible to do life without Jesus. They have learned that it's Jesus who is the one who is going to fill them up and give them what they need. You know, you could have all the Bible knowledge in the world. You could have studied at Bible college for years and years. But without deeply knowing the love of God in your own heart, it means nothing. When we, when we know deep down how loved we are by God, we are free to give ourselves away. 
the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, God in one um, uh, lived in live in perfect unity, perfect community. And it was this perfect love that enabled Jesus to give up everything for us. It's our ongoing relationship with Jesus that transforms us into people who think less of ourselves and more about others. If we want to see God's kingdom grow and lives transformed by the love of Jesus, we need to ask God's Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love and transform our hearts to love others like Jesus does. We have to get away with God and ask him to fill us up when we're empty to give us strength when we're weak. We have to ask him to empower us to be obedient in those areas where we really don't want to be. And we need to ask him to show us where he wants us to be obedient um, in those areas that might feel costly. We're a church that has seen tons of people join us over this last year. It's incredible and exciting to be part of what God is doing, but it is challenging for everyone. It means we can't always do the same, do things in the same ways that we used to do them three or four years ago. Things will be different. It means splitting community groups. It means people stepping up um, into different roles so that we can serve people, so we can serve more people. It means getting to know new people and investing in relationships that might naturally not be easy. It means stepping out of our comfort zones sometimes and stepping out in faith. It means turning up on a Sunday with the mindset, who can I encourage today? Where can I be building God's kingdom um, through the week? We've, um, we've been asking the question about um, the welcome team. There's like, there's like three or four people on the welcome team. And as church is growing, we've been saying, do we need more people on the rotor? And absolutely, yes, we do need more people on the rotor. But, but we don't, we, actually, what we really think is we all need to be on the rotor. Every single one of us here should be on the welcome rotor, not on, literally on the rotor, but we should all be on the welcome team. We should all be um, ch chatting to new people and chatting to each other and connecting other people with other people um, because that's what creates a loving, welcoming, friendly um, space. So we're not going to add to the rotor because we want everyone to be the welcomers in this church. And we don't want the people to think, well, it's okay because I'm not on the rotor. Um, someone else is doing it. I'm going to finish um, there, but I want to pray for us all. And, and if you want to experience more of the love of Jesus today, um, deep down out, deep down in your heart, why not just pray with me as I pray that? And if you're feeling weary and heavy burdened, you know, why not, why not tell God exactly how you're feeling? If you're feeling the joy of the Lord, why not quietly pray for the people around you? But let's ask God to show us all where we need to repent for our stinky attitudes and those areas that he's calling us to, obedience and generosity.